Well, so excited to be back with you, and it's always a treat when I get to come to City on a Hill, and it's a special treat for me when I get to come twice in a row, and uh, have, uh, just want to reiterate what Pastor Linda was saying uh, there at the outset, that you know we really are in one accord when it comes to sort of the vision of what, what God is laying on, not just uh, her heart and uh, Pastor Joe and Pastor James, but also in my church and in many, many other churches, not just here in the New York area but also around the country about what God is saying to the churches and what God is doing. And so our church is also entering into a 21-day season of prayer and fasting. I told you last week and uh, started with uh, last Sunday and will continue through the 27th. And so uh, uh, I spoke to Pastor Linda this week and said, hey, you know, what about doing some teaching on uh, this topic of fasting? And so I wanted to do sort of a topical message and uh, to do that, normally when I uh, preach, this is more like teaching than preaching, and maybe you won't appreciate the difference, but I'll try to put on uh, my teaching hat today and just sort of roll up our sleeves and let's talk a little bit about this biblical uh, practice of fasting. So to do that, I normally take one passage and I walk you through it. When it's topical like this, I have to skip around to lots of different verses. So try to stay with me uh, uh, and uh, uh, don't get lost as we switch from verse to verse. But let's start at Matthew chapter 5. Let's start at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5 in the Beatitudes, and let's start here uh, as we uh, uh, talk about this biblical practice of fasting. I really think that you're going to be blessed by being here today. If you're a believer who is new to the spiritual disciplines, you're going to be blessed. If you're a pro at fasting and you do this, uh, and you're really mature in this area, I think you'll be blessed. If you're here today and you're not even a believer, you're somebody that's like, man, I'm just checking this out for the first time. I'm thrilled that you're here today because in a way, you're going to be able to witness me encouraging Christians and it's going to help you because you're going to say, oh, I've heard about that. I wondered about that. Now I have a better idea of when all these preachers are like, come be a Christian, come follow Jesus. Now you've got a better idea of what you're getting into. So I want you to listen. You too are going to be blessed by being here today. In uh, Matthew 5, he's, he's given the Beatitudes, and Jesus says, very famous, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for, of all things, righteousness, for they will be filled. Who hungers and thirsts for righteousness? I mean, I've hungered and thirsted for stuff, but righteousness... I mean, we hunger and thirst for chicken and rice. Have you tried this yet? These halal carts in the city. Do you know what I, anybody, if you know what I'm talking about, you are currently addicted to it. Yeah, street meat, they call it. It's unreal. You got to try, and they put this white sauce on it. I've got tourist friends that'll come visit. You know how when you live in New York City, suddenly oh, everybody's your friends. Like You didn't even know. Like, yeah, I'm your cousin. I'm staying with you. Anyway, they come to New York. And they try this stuff a few months later, they're like, I want to come back to New York, get some of that chicken and rice. I'm like, yeah, it's crazy addictive. So people hunger and thirst for that, you know, when you get an appetite for something. Or we hunger and thirst for any kind of food. We have an appetite for that stuff. But don't you know, we also hunger and thirst, I believe, for um, uh, upgrades. You know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, there are people that will check their status of their cell phone just a few more months till I can upgrade. I'm like, what are, you, what are you checking your status on? I'm checking it on my cell phone. So you're telling me your cell phone works. That's right, that's right. I'm using a working cell phone to find out when I can upgrade to a, another w- working cell phone. But 
At any rate, you get, so there's a little irony there. But you get what I'm saying? We hunger and thirst for the latest gadget. Every young person in here knows that, right? Your kids were begging you for that video game, that thing that was going to make them happy, or that, that iPad or iPod or whatever. And the dads are like, I paid. You know this one, right? <laughs> they're, 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 they're hunger and thirst for that upgrade, that gadget, that thing that's going to make you happy. We hunger and thirst for that. We're fed by the commercials that we see all the time for that. You know what? Well, how about this? Anybody here hunger and thirst for that relationship? You know, there are single people that think, if I could just get that relationship, if I could just be, be married, if I could just have that person in my life, right, that would look at me and say, you're the one. If I could just have that person look at me and say, you complete me. If, I mean, maybe not in that creepy voice, but you're like, if I could just get that bit. You see, but people really, it becomes, does it not, all-consuming. If you're married, do you remember when you were single? And it becomes all-consuming. And there are some people who are married who say, if I could just have that perfect marriage, if I could just change that person, if I could just, like, alter them in such a way that they would then be right, if I could just have that perfect marriage. You get what I'm saying? We're hungry and thirsty for these things. Um, there are some who would say, I'm hungry and thirsty if I could just... Have, a, have that child, and that's the thing. And if you've ever walked with somebody who's going through infertility or going through a season where they want so desperately to have that and can't, you know it's like they're hungry and thirsty for that and for all these things. But Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. What a curious thing to say. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. Who do I know that's hungry and thirsty for righteousness? And the more I scratch my head about that question, the more I realize the answer is everybody. You just don't know it. You, what, you know what you're really hungry and thirsty for when you're hungry for that upgrade or you're hungry for that relationship or you're hungry for that, even that chicken and rice? You know what this is saying? You're really hungry for God. G.K. Chesterton, who is a, has so many great quotes, one of my favorites, he says, even the man who's knocking at the door of the brothel, he's knocking for God. You know, everybody, even in sinful ways, what are we trying to fill up that empty, si- empty place in us when we fill it with alcohol, or we fill it with drugs, or we fill it with some addiction, or we fill it with the next relationship, or we fill it with the next gadget, or materialism, or money, and we keep filling it, and it never fills. What are we really hungry and thirsty for? The Bible says, blessed are those hunger and thirst. You're hungry and thirsty for righteousness. So what's the problem? Like last week, I preached this whole sermon about how good God is, and about how he feeds us. Remember the feeding of the 5,000 if you weren't here, and how good God is, and I believe that that with all my heart so why don't I hunger for God as much as I should like here I am a Christian and I'm trying to be a mature Christian and I don't hunger and thirst for righteousness like I should why don't I hunger for God what can I do to like help myself hunger after God what is there to do I um, uh, had a great Thanksgiving many of you the same way my mom for years and years and years she goes crazy at Thanksgiving, just goes bananas, and she cooks all this delicious food, and it's a feast. It's just, I mean, it's way extra. It's way more than anybody could ever, you know, ask or imagine. And uh, 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 I know every Thanksgiving, even since I was a little kid, I know it's going to happen. And it's not just any feast. My mom's like a southern woman, so it's like a feast that's like been drenched in butter, deep fried, then candied. You know, like, you know what I'm talking about, like southern food, just dripping with cholesterol and awesomeness. And so I know, like, I, that meal's going to be served like 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and I know it's coming. And I, I mean, only a fool, rookie mistake, only a fool would go and eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich at noon, right? You'd be crazy. I wouldn't even go and eat a steak 
that morning. And I love steak. You couldn't tempt me with any food because I know what's coming. And by the time 2 or 3 o'clock rolls by, I'm just like salivating. I'm eating the table. You know, I can't wait. It's going to be so good. And it's the best thing in the world. Why? What, what am I doing? Why do I fast that whole morning from something I love? Food. Why would I ever do that? Is it not because I'm not a fool? I don't want to spoil my appetite for the best on something that's eh, good. I would no, I don't want to spoil my appetite for the best on that which is good. You know what many of us are doing spiritually? We're filling up on things in such a way as to spoil our appetite for God. We want to hunger for God. We know we need to hunger for God. We fill ourselves up just enough to tide us over with a cell phone. Or we fill ourselves up with just enough to tide us over with a new Facebook friend, or however that works. Or a real friend, let's say. Or whatever. Like, we, we, we fill ourselves up with these things that are, ah, they're okay. And we find when it comes to God, I'm not hungry. What have I done? I've spoiled my appetite for God. And I do this over and over again. If only... There was some ancient practice I could turn to. If only there was some help that God would give me and not just leave me hanging. If only he would give me some method of training myself so I wouldn't keep spoiling my appetite. If only there... Fasting. That's it. Conveniently, I have a PowerPoint illustration. It just so happens. That's why we're talking about fasting. I'm tired of spoiling my appetite on things that spiritually might be okay when God wants to give me the best in 2013. And the best is always Him. It's always He Himself. That's what He's trying to give me. Not just the things of Him, Him. And it's fasting that's going to train me to get there. And so I want to uh, talk about it a little bit. Now, there is so much misunderstanding when it comes to fasting that I like to talk a little bit about some of the misunderstanding before I... I go into my presentation here, and I'll just ask you guys to walk me through the presentation as I get to the next slide. I'll just ask you to turn there. But, but, but for some people, they hear this, oh, fasting. Okay, the sermon is on fasting. Well, that's good. That's it. That's, that's enough for me. I am checking out mentally. I'm like sitting here. I'm sort of smiling. But look, man, I can't do it. Fasting is when you go 40 days and 40 nights without food, and like uh, uh, Louis Zamperini can do that. and stuff. But I, I'm sorry. Like, I don't do that. That, that was Jesus' thing. And I can't go 40 days, 40 nights without food. I, you know, I could maybe go 40 minutes, like on a good day. But even that would be a challenge. You know, for some people, they're like, I can't do that. Other people, they're like, well, this is, this is no problem, man. I fast every day. At, uh, at night when I go to bed, I fast all through the night. And then I break the fast each morning with a meal called break fast, right? And so it's easy, and you're like, I've, I've nailed this. I got this down. Other people, it's, oh, that's the Old Testament thing. I know, ah, oh, Old Testament. We're New Testament believers, and so we don't have to do fasting anymore because that's one of those legalistic Old Testament things and um, uh, one of those rituals, and that's mainly for um, monks. Monks do this, and not, I'm, I'm, I'm so far from a monk, you know what I mean? I don't have the hair and all that, right? So I can't, I can't do it. Others say, uh, I don't really understand about fasting. I never really got into it and all that. But it, once you open your eyes to the concept of fasting, and Pastor Linda and Pastor Joe and James, they have taught on fasting enough that I know I'm, I'm walking into a lot of these misunderstandings or just caricatures because many of you are getting the hang of this. Once you open your eyes to fasting, you begin to see it everywhere. And almost every major character in the Bible that God has his hand of blessing on, you look at their life, and in their lifestyle is what? A discipline of fasting. Paul. Jesus, uh, Moses, Elijah, Daniel. The, ironically, the lions are actually fasting in that scene. But, but, but <laughs> thankfully for Daniel. But 
Every ma- so the lions too. Every major character in the Old Testament scriptures that the Lord blesses, they are fasting. So, uh, for example, ne- uh, next slide, uh, Chris, if you could uh, advance that one one slide, I'll show you. Yeah. So for one thing, Jesus did it. Jesus fasted. Now that should sort of be the end of the sermon, because like whatever Jesus did, we, that's it. We need to do that. But let me just show you in Matthew four one through two. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil after fasting 40 days and 40 nights. So there you go, Jesus fasted. And then in the all-time understatement in the history of the scriptures, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. (laughs) You think. Uh, uh, This is a miraculous fast. We'll talk about this in just a second. I believe he was uh, ministered to by, uh, the scriptures teach us, afterwards he was ministered to by angels. And so, uh, but Jesus did it. He also assumed it. Next slide. He uh, uh, says in Matthew six sixteen, not if you fast, when he gives the Sermon on the Mount, he says, when you fast and when you fast. So it was the assumed practice of the day. Jesus saw it important, but for some reason it has today fallen somewhat out of practice in the Christian church, probably because it's difficult. Hopefully I can clear up some misconceptions and highlight some benefits. I want to start with a simple definition of fasting. Definition. Biblical fasting is abstaining from food for a period of time for spiritual purposes. If you are a note taker and you want a super simple definition of fasting, how about that? Biblical fasting is abstaining from food for a period of time for spiritual purposes. The first part is simple. Biblical fasting is abstaining for food. What that means is not eating. Great. Uh, not so hard, right? It's the second part that's so difficult. Uh, for sp- oh, go back. For, um, sorry. Yeah, right there. For spiritual purposes. Do you see that? Uh, in other words, what is this saying? Motive matters. Okay. Motive is very important when it comes to biblical fasting. There's all kinds of fasting that happens in the world, but it doesn't necessarily make it biblical fasting. I'll show you what I mean. Some people say, oh, have you ever had a day like this? Oh, man, uh, I haven't, but I've heard about people who say, oh, man, I was so busy all day. I'm particularly looking at you uh, new nurses and people in the medical field, uh, people who work in retail, and they're just boom, 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 they're swamped during the, one of those Black Friday type deals. Oh, I was so busy so day, I, I, so all day. I worked so hard all day long, I just didn't have time to eat lunch. I didn't, some of you are like, you just described every day, and that, I understand. So busy, I didn't have time to eat lunch. Well, you've you've gone on a fast, but it's not biblical fast. It's just that you were swamped by work. That's never actually happened to me. I don't think I can imagine too busy to eat lunch. Like, what? Um, There's another kind of fast that's not biblical at all, and I've heard of this. And thankfully, my time has not yet come. But there's a kind of fast I think is so far from biblical. This uh, this whole colonoscopy thing. That's fasting. But that's not of God. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not, that's not biblical fasting. So that, that too is fasting. Another kind of fasting is just dieting. Like, health is not the point of a fast. You know, some people are like, oh, I'm so glad he's preaching on fasting. I was hoping to shed a few pounds this new year. Like, that's great, and I want you to be healthy. But that too is not biblical fasting. It's not for spiritual purposes. This is spiritual fasting. It has nothing to do with diet and health. I want you to have a good diet. I want you to be healthy. But what we're talking about with this fasting has to do with you and your relationship with God. And so motives matter. There are some wrong reasons to fast. Let's start with that one. This is not a weight loss plan. All right? Fasting is not a way to lose weight. Now, this is probably as good a time as any to say this. I am not a doctor. Okay? I'm a pastor. 
Uh, and there are, when I talk about fasting and I say not eating for a specified period of time, there are people with diabetes, there are people who are, are pregnant, there are uh, uh, small children and so forth and so on, growing boys and girls. You know, use common sense. And that's why we're going to get to this in just a minute. I'll talk more about this. But it's not legalism. You see, you're never going to hear me from the pulpit give you some legalistic mandate that says this is what you need to do or else you know, God won't love you or whatever. That's called legalism. We'll talk about that in just a second. But it's not a way to lose weight. And so you have to be somewhat uh, careful and thoughtful about how you plan your fasting. Uh, but don't immediately count yourself out either. Uh, it's not a legalistic command. It's not a commercial for a weight loss program. It is for spiritual purposes. And not for nothing, in the fasting I've done in my life, I've never really lost any weight. Uh, it seems that I'm, I'm perfectly capable of reconsuming any calories that I wasn't able. So I, I, just in my experience, sort of, you know, some of you... Oh, man, I was really hoping that that would sort of be a byproduct. Uh, it, it, it probably won't be, uh, but uh, I promise you'll be so happy with uh, what else happens in your life. You, you won't uh, sweat that. Uh, second re- I give you three bad reasons to fast. The second is fasting to impress other people uh, or even yourself with how spiritual you are. So fasting to lose weight is just bad. Uh, I mean, bad motive. But fasting to impress others with how spiritual, spiritual you are is a bad motive. Jesus actually points this one out in Matthew 6. The Pharisees loved to impress everyone with how spiritual they were. And so they would go on a fast and they would cover themselves in sackcloth and ashes. And they would look all down and, oh, I'm so miserable for the Lord. Aren't I awesome about how good I am at fasting? Right, that kind of thing. They're trying to show off how good they are, show off how righteous they are. And Jesus says, enough with that. Get up, wash your face, make it a normal day. Don't be so obvious that you're fasting, because if you do that, you're going to get a reward. He says you'll get a reward. There's two kinds of rewards, though. He says if you if, if try to impress everybody with how awesome you are at your spiritual life, then you'll get a reward, and that reward will be the praise of other people who are impressed by how awesome you are at your spiritual life. So you get praise of men, but not even cool people. You get praise of like religious people who are the least cool. You know, so you get like tiny prayer, I mean tiny praise. He says, or keep it just between you and God. Don't let anybody know you're fasting. You know, the ancients said you want to keep the fire between you and God really hot. Don't open the door of the furnace so often. See what they mean by that? Keep it just between you and God. It doesn't mean like don't open the like, furnace of God's love, share with others. But he's talking about in terms of spiritual disciplines, you're giving, you're tithing, you're fasting. Keep that close to the vest. Keep that on the down low. Just keep it on the, keep it on the UL. Just you, Lord. I, I couldn't think of, whatever. Just keep it between you and God. And what will happen is what? Uh, he'll begin to reward you. Oh, and you will not receive the, re- the praise of men. You'll receive the applause of heaven, you see. Uh, so make it a normal day. When you're fasting, uh, get up, and if it's your normal practice to take a shower, take a shower. If you're a college student, don't shower, because that'll throw people off. If suddenly you're like all dressed up, oh, he must be fasting, he showered, he's wearing clean clothes, right? So whatever it is that's your normal thing, do that. Uh, now, you've got to use common sense on this. When I say, you know, do it, Jesus says, you know, do it in secret. It, you can get legalistic about one way. You can also get legalistic about the other way. I mean, use common sense. It doesn't mean, like, so legalistic, like, I can't tell anyone. I will fail in my fast if someone finds out I'm fasting. So your poor wife cooks you this delicious meal, and you're like, honey, why aren't you eating it? No reason. You know, it's, come on. Like, it's perfectly fine to let your wife know, hey, let's do this together, or we're entering this fast, or I understand, honey, you can't do this fast right now. You're pregnant, or, you know, whatever, and so you're going to do a different kind of spiritual discipline, but maybe don't make my favorite meal, or if you have some meal that you really don't like, but you don't want to tell her, be like, oh, make that meatloaf from Brussels sprouts that I love. Like, whatever. 
try to be strategic. But get that out there in such a way that, it, you know, when he says do it in secret, he's not, don't be legalistic about the secret. Again, common sense will be your guide. And last but not least, and probably most serious, uh, don't do fasting to lose weight. Don't do fasting to impress other people. And the last motive is um, uh, doing fasting to impress God. And this is the one that breaks my heart. When, um, when you see people and they're, they're struggling to know who they are in Christ and they're beaten up by the world and they come to a sermon on a spiritual discipline like fasting and they think, oh yeah, I better do this fasting thing so that God will approve of me. And it just breaks your heart as a pastor because your whole life is spent telling people in Jesus Christ, you are free. Like you spend your whole ministry time to tell people like, some, some people have already checked out. Well, this is going to be a challenging sermon because I won't do the fast right. Whatever it is that he's going to ask me to fast, I will do just less than that. Because I seem to fail at every spiritual thing I do or whatever. Let me tell you something. That perfect fast that you're going to try to do, it's already been done. Jesus has fasted perfectly for you. So when you get to heaven and God's like, all right, let's grade your fasting. He's going to grade Jesus on how he fasted. And Jesus got a 4.0 with God. You know what I'm saying? Like his righteousness is perfect and it was given to me. I got his transcript before God. That's shocking. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. If it's already been done, then why do any of this stuff at all? Well, because I really love him. And I want to be like him. I can't help it. It's out of an overflow of that love, of knowing who I am, that makes me say, well, Jesus, if I can be more like you, if I can follow you through, if I'm supposed to follow you now that you've fulfilled the law, i got to train myself a little bit. You know, it's like, you fulfilled the law, you did it, and now you're inviting me to follow you? Of course I'm going to follow you. You paid the price. But I just, I find that I can't follow you the way you go. I mean, it's like, like when you try to run jogging with somebody and they're a super athlete and they're going really fast and you're saying, hey man, we got to slow down a little bit, right? Some of us, God is calling us to new and greater. Follow me. And we're just, it's like, we're not quite there yet. He's not going to leave us. He's not going to betray us. None of that. But what he's encouraging us to do is, hey, let's train a little bit. 1 Timothy 4, 7 says this, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is of some value, but godliness holds value for both this life and the life to come there's nothing you can do to make god love you more make god love you less there's no way you can earn your salvation once you're saved there's all kinds of spiritual training you can do and one of those trainings is fasting is the biblical discipline of fasting so we're not doing it to impress god he's the god of the universe by the way oh lord of the universe i skipped breakfast (laughs) really really so you know he (laughs) I made the world. Like, what? <laughs> anyway, there's no... So what is the primary purpose of fasting? The primary... Those are reasons not to do it. The primary purpose of fasting is to center our life on God. I don't ask you to write down a lot. Just write that down. Or write it in your heart. The primary purpose of fasting is to center our life on God. Fasting has this way. When we give up food, we're able to enter into prayer more uh, directly somehow, and we, we can just center our life on God. You occasionally have to get your tires aligned if you drive a lot, and you realize when you let the steering wheel go, which I don't recommend, but everybody's sort of done it, you know, and you let the uh, steering wheel go, obviously, because you're, no, 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 and you're, you're, you're and, it's, and it suddenly like drifts off on its own. What's happened? Your wheels have gotten out of alignment, all right? And when your wheels are out of alignment, it, it, it's like you constantly have to be fighting it. You're not able to sort of just relax as you drive in that way. And, and so what fasting does, it's sort of a spiritual realignment. 
It's like, man, I've, I've gotten, I've found that I'm addicted to some things I didn't know about. There's some hidden sin in my life. I've got to get this out. And what I want to be is aligned so that I can walk and live my life in the free and easy rhythms of his grace. You see? Fasting can help me get there as I center my life on God. That means center my attention directly on God. Uh, let, me, let me make this real. Some people, some people need it real simple. I'm like that. I need it broken down real simple. I'm not eating. I'm hungry. Dude, I'm starving, right? What I'm really hungry for is God. Let me go to him and think about him, meditate, him, meditate on him, and start praying. And re- repeat, right? For a predetermined amount of time. Man, I feel this hunger inside of me. Wow, I'm really thirsty. What I'm really thirsty for is God. Let me meditate on God. Let me pray to him. Let me draw my attention back to him for a predetermined amount of time. Okay? That's it. Motive is huge. Uh, if you look at uh, Zechariah chapter 7, verse 5, I put it up here on the screen so you don't have to uh, act like you know where Zechariah is and get embarrassed. Uh, ask, listen to this, God is talking about motive. Ask all the people of the land and the priests. When you fasted, this is God saying, God asking this question. When you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh month for the past 70 years, I mean, nobody did fasting as well as the people of Israel. They were so legalistic about it that you did it in the fifth and seventh month for the past 70 years. That's awesome. But was it really for me that you fasted? Were you just trying to manipulate me? Were you just doing it out of legalistic obligation? Were you just doing it because it was a ritual? Were you doing it because some preacher got up on Sunday at City on a Hill and said, hey, you should try fasting? Or was it really for me? Fast unto the Lord. This is between me and you, my Father. I believe that uh, outer action, fasting is this outer action that can lead to an inner change. And I'll put it like this. We fast from food so that we can feast on God. We want to, I want to pray without ceasing. I want to love my enemies. And I can't just wake up one morning and be like, ah, now I'm going to follow him with all my heart. I've got to be trained. And scripture and prayer, and let's add to that training. Here's another. You know how when you go to the gym, you know, because every New Year's resolution, you go to the gym for six, seven days. And when you go there that first week, because that's all you need, that's it, you're done. Uh, when you go there, you'll see there's these, these weights that do this. They work the, you know, the chest, James, they work the flactoids, whatever you exercise guys all day. Uh, and then there's the treadmill, and that works my cardio. And then there's the, um, uh, I don't know, presumably there's other, uh, ex- I'm, I'm, I'm sure they exist. You know, there's some other exercise equipment. I don't know, Rob, Rob whatever, there's something there. And uh, 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 that's what I'm trying to do for you. I'm trying to show you, here's scripture reading, okay? Here's re- reading your Bible every day. Here's entering in time with prayer every day. Here's fasting. Let's add to our training a little bit. Let's add uh, to this because we, we want to be built up if 2013 is what we think it's going to be your people oh god we need to be strengthened fasting can do that and uh, uh what i can't do is just suddenly love my enemies and what i can't do is suddenly like flip a switch and be like hey i can suddenly overcome all temptation i can't do that what i can do is enter into a life of training that will be make me ready for things then that i can't currently do now so uh, you will wake up in the morning and you will be hungry if you fast or if you're fasting in the day, you will be hungry. And when you feel that hunger, you crave God, you feast on him, you turn your energy and your dependence to God. It's a great way to renew your uh, relationship with God. And uh, that hunger is valuable. That is an important part of fasting, by the way. It's funny, like people are like, man, I did fasting, but I must be doing it wrong because I got so hungry. No, uh, that's... <laughs> 
you're doing it right at that point. Like, it's, it's so funny to me. There's this um, partial fast that some people are doing, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. It's totally good. I don't, it doesn't matter to me what kind of fast you do, and I'll go through different kinds. J- just, just jump in. I want you to try it this week. Um, but there are some that are doing this partial fast for 21. And I'm not picking on I'm really not picking on them. But it's, this sort of fasting has become sort of this cottage industry. And you can, you can go online and you can find all these products to help with your fast and the Daniel fast and all this stuff. I really don't think that's what our brother Daniel really meant for all this. But there's actually one I saw. This is a, I'm, not, I'm not making fun. But there's this bracelet you can put on. And you wear this bracelet throughout the 21-day partial fast. And it, it, it's a bracelet to remind you you're fasting. And I'm always like... You know what reminds me I'm fasting? <laughs> the cavernous growling in the pit of my... You know, it's like, oh, yo, that's right. I haven't eaten in four days. Yeah, I got my bracelets. I'm like, you got bigger problems. You don't... <laughs> I'm really not making... I'm totally making fun of it. Uh, so anyway, you're not doing it wrong if you feel hungry. That's, that's it. Now, that hunger helps you bring it back. Okay, I'm going to center my life on God. And as I feel hungry, I can't explain it. My appetites are sharpened. Things are sharpened. I'm able to center my life on God. So the primary purpose of fasting is to center our life on God. Now, next slide. There are some secondary purposes of fasting, but I'm not going to tell you what they are. Because if I do, you will leave here and misquote me and say, Tom said the purpose of fasting was one of these byproducts. And I did not. Back up two slides. I clearly said that the primary purpose of fasting is to center our life on God. But having said that, fast forward two slides. There are some secondary. But if you think that these are the... Will you go back two slides? Clearly, I'm saying it's center our life on God. You have to promise me that you understand that's what fasting does. Because if you promise me you understand, then and only then will I show you there's also some cool byproducts. Go ahead, go ahead. But if you take these as the product and not the byproduct, I, it, I'm telling you that, right? There's some cool byproducts, but they're not the point. The point is center your life on God. But I can't help myself. There are some amazing things that fasting can do in addition and springing from centering my life on God. One is this. Uh, they can reveal and remind what's going on in our life. You know, uh, it can reveal these non-essential things that begin to control us, unnecessary addictions, and it reminds us who we really need. It reveals to us just how much stuff in this life is not really needed, and it reminds us there is one needful thing. It's you, God. It's you. I can do without all this stuff. I can even do without food. Because everybody's like, what are the necessities of life? You don't need gadgets. You don't need money. You don't need materialism. You just need food and water. And what this fasting says is, I don't even need food and water before I need you. Maslow's hierarchy of needs is missing the biggie. It's God. And when you fast, trust me, the reason I like normal, just the normal biblical fast, the reason I preach that, the whole food, and wa- food thing, we'll talk about water in a second, water is important, you need to drink water. But food, the reason I talk about that is to me, if, you, if you're giving up food, maybe for a guy like me, maybe I'm revealing to you what my idol is, <laughs> but, but, but if you can give up food, it's like all that other stuff seems to like snap to attention, you know? It's almost like money looks at power in my life and goes, dude, he's giving up food, there's no hope for us! Does that make sense? I know I just personified my temptations and had them speak, so I know it was a little complicated, but do you get what I'm saying? If I'm giving up food, the temptation to greed and power is going, well, we may as well mail it in. My man's giving up food. There's, we'll never tempt him. 
if he's, you're right. So I try to start in that way. They reveal and remind. Uh, many of you know I, I travel and, and get to speak a lot of different places in the country. I, I went to Tennessee uh, about four or five years ago. I love Tennessee. Tennessee's an awesome place. Love to preach there. There are a lot of really urban and cool cities in Tennessee. I grew up not far from Tennessee in Kentucky. I'm a big fan of Tennessee. I didn't get to preach, however, once in this urban uh, and cool environment. They picked me up at the airport, and these fellas started driving, and we were like two, three hours. We were in the middle of nowhere, and we get there. I knew it was going to be a camp setting, but I, when they said rustic, uh, uh, they get there, and, and finally, they, they stop the car there, and I'm looking around. I don't see a camp. I mean, this big, beautiful lake and everything. I said, oh, have we arrived? They said, oh, no. The only way to get to this camp is by boat. Get in. So I like hear banjo music playing in the background, you know, I like pull my way up to the, we get there. And this camp is literally on an island. And I notice one of the first things I happen to notice, one of the first things is I'm like, get me out of here, is that there's no uh, cell phone coverage. Yeah. And I said, I, it's funny, you know, funny, funny thing. The Yankee uh, can't use his cell phone, right? They look at me and say, oh, yeah, yeah, there's no cell phone coverage out here. Yeah, we just got one phone. It's in the kitchen, and that'll go out if there's ever a storm. And I'm like, yeah, you know, just say the time you need a phone, a storm. That's when you don't have it. Great plan, guys. Like, can I call mom? So anyway, I'm the camp pastor at this thing. I'm invited to speak. And then I, I'll go through. No big deal. And what I realized is what? Uh, uh, it revealed to me there was just a slight addiction on technology for me. I went on a forced fast. And it revealed to me, and I thought, I, I knew, I always joked about, oh, how, you know, I'm texting and cell phone stuff, but it's only when I fasted from it that I realized, whoa, these talons of addiction were in me a lot deeper than I thought. Woke up the next morning, I was like, hey, wh- wh- uh, where's the coffee? Where's the coffee? Where, who do I have to kill to get a cup? And he says, oh, yeah, hey, well, there's no coffee, man. It's a youth camp. A lot of these kids don't drink coffee. There's some Red Bull and some, you know, Monster Energy. And... So, so no coffee. So now I'm on a forced fast from coffee, and I, it, I, I learned a lot about myself. <laughs> I thought, man, that's become an addiction. Kids are like, these are the angriest sermons we've ever heard. <laughs> but you preached on hellfire and brimstone last night. I'm like, I'm preaching every night until you get me a cup of... Uh, anyway, these, uh, these, ser- I mean, these addictions are like benign, I suppose, you know, in a way they're harmless. But not for nothing. It did, um, it did reveal to me how deeply... And that got me thinking, like I said, those were pretty harmless. Uh, I've gone back to cell phones and coffee, but uh, they're harmless. But here's what I got to thinking. What else is inside of me like that that I don't know about? Like what other addictions that maybe aren't so harmless are deep inside of me? And I don't know what it is about fasting, but it's like the Holy Spirit has this freedom in me. When, when, when David prayed it this way, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know if there's any offensive way in me. Isn't that cool? David, 2,000 years before the internet, said, Google search the word offensive in my life. And let's see what pops up. Uh, it's like when I'm stuffed with food and good things and everything, it's almost like the Holy Spirit has to, there's so much, I don't know, it's like it's clogged. When I'm fasting, Lord revealed to me, amazing, his freedom to speak to me clearly. I don't know why that is. I don't know why not eating food would do that. I have no idea. I can't explain fasting. I'm just teaching on it. And I want you to experience it. Uh, It reminds us, oh, not for nothing. It reminds us we live by God's own hand. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that drips from the lips of God. Scripture is never so sweet to you as when you're fasting and reading Scripture. I can't explain it. I'm telling you it's true. And when you break the fast with a meal, you know how you sit down at every meal and you're like, yeah, thank you, God, for this food. That prayer becomes, no, thank you. Thank you. 
for this food. I can't wait. It's just simple food. It's just a little bread or something. But, oh, God, you make this. You did this. It's not my strong arm. It's not my good job. It's you that put food on my table. What happened? Gratitude. Fasting can help that. I'll try to move more quickly through these other ones. Uh, They can uh, increase effectiveness in prayer. I cannot explain this. And promise me you won't leave here and be like, well, Pastor Tom said we should fast so that I could finally get that thing I've been asking for in prayer. I clearly said to you that the primary role of fasting was to center your life on God. However, many of you are praying for a breakthrough. You're praying for that lost friend. You're praying for something. I don't know why. But when you're fasting, it increases effectiveness in prayer. I cannot explain it. Why would not eating food make prayer in my life more effective? Oh, I have no idea. But fasting is God's thing. That's his invention. So I'm just obedient. I'm just doing it. I have no idea why it works. Um, But I've experienced it. I've experienced it. Uh, next one is, uh, you, yeah, some of you need to hear the voice of God. You've got a big decision coming up. A great time to fast is right before you have a big decision. I don't know what it is, but it's like fasting shuts me up. It makes me be still. Remember when Pastor Joe was like, be still, wait on the Lord. You want to really get into that waiting? Fasting can help you do that. Um, yeah, now's a good time to add this. Uh, Uh, Some of you will fast and say you skipped lunch. Let's say you're fasting. You write down. I'm going to encourage you to write down what your fast is so that you follow through. Because if you don't write it down, what happens is you say, well, I'll fast till I get hungry. You're going to go like two hours. So (laughs) it's better to write it down. I, Tom Richter, will begin this Wednesday. My predetermined fast will be a uh, 12-hour fast. I will eat a delicious breakfast. I will enjoy my breakfast. And then I will stop eating at 7.04 a.m. At 7.04 p.m., I will eat a delicious meal. But during the 12 hours in between, I won't fast. Like, for example, you see me now, I'll write that down. And I'll write that down, I'll keep it to myself. Me and my wife, you know, this is what, okay, we're going to do this together. But don't, like, write it down and mail it to your pastors. They don't care, you know what I mean? Oh, hmm. I noticed when I did a pastoral visit, I came to your house. Did you see our fasting chart? Look at the gold stars. (laughs) We haven't eaten in days. We're starving, you know, whatever. Like, right? Don't do that. Keep it to yourself, fasting, but, but do write it down. And I'll tell you why. If you don't write it down, you'll just quit whenever you feel like it. So write it down and go for it. Really challenge yourself. The idea is training. Now, if you tell somebody else to do it, you're legalism. If you tell yourself to do it, you're just training. You're training yourself. Um, so anyway, many of you will do this. Man, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. All right, all right, all right. I'm going to fast. Here's what I need to do. I need to schedule a six-hour nap, and that will help me. Or, whatever, or like... Uh, or, or you'll say, I'm just going to work so hard, I'll be a workaholic all day. Then I won't notice or whatever. You're cheating yourself. When you feel that hunger, turn to prayer. Turn to times of prayer. Go to him. Go to him in prayer. What are you doing? You're centering your life on God. That's the point. Open his word. Read the scriptures. Uh, number, five, number four is improve physical well-being. Uh, look, I know you're going to say, oh, man, fasting. You just told me I don't lose weight. And I don't. But, but think back to uh, Daniel. I keep pointing over there. I think that's a picture of Daniel. Um, uh, God, uh, God blesses him and when he fasts. I noticed that when I fast from Ben and Jerry's, I really, you know, there's a lot of things that I realize I don't need this in my life. can aid with concentration. I don't think it's the point of fasting, but I'm not going to lie. It, there is a physical component to this that I believe I'm blessed by following uh, uh, God's uh, spiritual discipline of fasting. How about number five, deliverance from sin? Many of you need that uh, 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 freedom from a bondage to a certain besetting sin. Uh, uh, psychologists tell us it takes 21 days to bring about a new habit. Uh, isn't that curious? We're doing a 21-day time of prayer and fasting. And uh, 
uh, I believe that God can open a lot of these doors for you. And the last one I put, and I know it's barely at the end of the screen, it's just question mark, question mark, question mark. And here's why. I don't know what God's going to do in your life as you seek him. I have no idea. And that's the great thing about our God. He's not formulaic. And that's my point about fasting. This is not legalism. This is not, hey, I did a fast, and God, you didn't do any of these one through five, and you did not do them in order. Like, he's God. He's not beholden to us. You may go through a fast, this 21-day period, and you may say, man, one through five, he knocked it out of the park. He did every one of these things. Or you may go through this 21-day fast, and you say, I didn't hear from him. I didn't feel any different. All I felt was hunger. And do you know what God's doing? He's going to use that, and he's going to teach you through, well, sometimes there are times of silence, and I, I need you to go through that. And you're going to not know why, and you're going to come to your pastor and be like, why would God do that? And they're going to say, I don't know either. But we trust a loving God. That maybe that's what he's going to teach you. I don't know, or he'll do all, or he'll do some, or he'll do something, question mark, question mark, question mark, I had no idea about. That's the excitement about these spiritual disciplines. So I'm going to close with uh, how to do it. I'll try to do this real, real fast. Uh, <laughs> See what I did? Uh, yeah, three types of fasts, okay? I'll go through three types of fasts. Let me name them real quick, and then I'll come back. Normal fast, absolute fast, partial fast. Now go back to normal. Normal fast. This is a normal fast. This is the most often commanded fast in the Bible and that we see in the Old Testament, and this is uh, the most common. This is the one that I will be doing over the next uh, few days, and I'll tell you how to do it. A normal fast is when you take water, but no food or other types of drinks, so you can uh, drink lots of water throughout this time, and, but you don't eat a lot of food. And uh, uh, there's no need to stock up before your fast starts. You can just go normally. There's no need to, oh man, I fasted for 12 hours. Do I need to break that fast with like a gluten-free nutrient? No, have some pizza. It doesn't matter. Like it's just, you know what I mean? Our culture has taught us that we um, uh, 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 have to go every few hours with huge meals with snacks in between. And uh, that's just simply uh, not, not, not true. So what you do with this normal fast is plan the time to start and stop. If you just fast till you get hungry, you'll go about an hour. And so uh, uh, I put 24 hours as a good goal at first. That's, that's pretty ambitious. That is a very good goal. Uh, I would start maybe if, you, if you're brand new to fasting with like six or eight hours and then work up to something like 12 hours and then go for 24. You see what I mean? Uh, and here's how you do it. You just write down on a piece of paper, this is my spiritual training, and just do that. Say, I time, like for me during this 21 days, I'm doing Wednesdays only, because our prayer meeting also is on Wednesday night, so I'm just doing Wednesdays a normal fast. That means uh, water, but no food. And so I'm writing down, I, Tom Richter, along with my wife Jackie, uh, am writing the following note to self so that I don't cheat myself when I get hungry. I am uh, going to fast from this time until this time thus making it a 12-hour fast or a 24-hour fast if I build up to it or whatever, right? And that's it. And I just show that, me and Jackie, that's our thing, and it's between us and God. And then just don't cheat, don't cheat yourself, you know? Now, here's the thing on that. <clears throat> How long should you fast? How long should you do it? Well, when you do a normal fast like this, um, and the reason I put you could take water but no food or other types of drinks, that's important. It's like you're sort of cheating yourself if you drink a big, rich orange juice or if you're like, man, I'm really hungry but I don't want food. Let me grind up a prime rib into a protein <laughs> shake or something. Like, you know, like, well, you, you know, that's kind of cheating. Uh, vitamins, medication, water. I, I, I take all that. You know, I take all that stuff because uh, I don't get full on, you know, uh, uh, medicine or something. So uh, that doesn't involve... But no food or other type of drinks. And how long should you go? My thing is this. Just challenge yourself. If you went to the gym, some of you are really strong and you, you, you work out all the time. You could go to the gym where there's a bunch of like real weaklings. And you could grab like the 10-pound barbell. 
and you could knock out like a hundred curls, right? And everybody would be impressed, but you wouldn't get any stronger. Not a bit of strength was added to your life, right? So challenge yourself. If you go through a fast this Wednesday and you do it for eight hours and you're like, that was pretty easy, go for 12. Why? Because you're trying to impress me? I don't even know what you're doing. You're not impressing me. I want you to challenge yourself. Don't cheat yourself. Don't sell yourself short in what God wants to do in fasting. If you're awesome at 12, go for 24. If you're awesome at 40 days, call me. I, we need, I, I'm curious uh, how, but, but, but you understand? Now, the, al- the alternative is also true. If you start with like a 48-hour fast and you've never fasted before, that's like walking in the gym going, I think I'm going to start by bench pressing 800 pounds. You're going to, don't do that. Don't do that. You're going to leave frustrated and say, well, I can never fast. I can never do that, right? So start in the appropriately challenging amount of time that you need. Does that, does that make sense? Cool. Uh, then we'll, uh, I'll race through these. The absolute fast is neither food nor water. Have to be a little more careful with this. Have to be a little more guarded, you know, if you want to uh, talk to a doctor about how this works best. It, can, it is the most difficult. It can be, however, the most powerful. I believe that Jesus did this kind of fast, and I believe it was supernatural. I don't believe that... Um, uh, uh, unless you're specifically called to do this for 40 days, you should try that uh, for something like that, 40 days. However, uh, a lot of people think an absolute fast, neither food nor water, for even for like 8 or 12 hours, that's insane. You know millions of people do this every year during Ramadan, right? Like around the world, they don't drink food or water. Real legalistic uh, uh, Muslims won't brush their teeth because some might get down. They won't swallow their... You see them spitting all day because to swallow their saliva would be water. So, I mean, before you just discount this as, this is completely insane, not to like... A large percentage of the world, it's not. And they do this straight, and they eat during the nighttime. And the third one and final is a partial fast. Yeah, so this you could do no food but water and juices for vitamin and energy, or you could just give up certain things. Many of you are familiar with the Daniel fast. It's interesting. The type of fast that Daniel most often did in his life was the normal fast. But at least twice in Scripture, we see that Daniel did this special thing where he, you know, once in Daniel 10, he said, I'm, I'm going to go into a time of mourning. I'm not going to eat any luxurious foods, sweet things, and choice delicacies, or put any lotions on my body. In other words, no luxuries. And so there, uh, Jensen Franklin and others, anybody know Daniel fast when I even say that? Does anybody understand? Okay, many of you. Good, good, good. If you're, this goes beyond the scope of what I want to teach on. But if, you're in, if you want to do the Daniel fast and that's your thing, 21 days, go for it. Awesome. It's a partial fast. It can be just as effective and powerful in your life. I, I, I wish you well. You have my blessing. I think it's a wonderful thing. Uh, other people give up just uh, media or technology, or they say, I'm going to fast from checking my Facebook for the next 12 hours, and then when that fast is up, I will tell everyone on Facebook, I just went 12 hours, or whatever. <laughs> but you get the idea? Give up something. It, uh, 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 the important thing is to center your life on God. I hope you're getting this that this is the least uh, le- le- legalistic sermon on fasting. This isn't a legalism. This is an invitation. I want you to come with your pastors. I want you to come with me. And let's see what God will do in our lives, in our church, as we uh, turn our attention toward him. All right? Uh, let's close there. I'm going to ask the musicians to come, and we're going to conclude with the table. Yeah. The, the, uh, the irony is that... Uh, uh, when we give up food, we realize what spiritual food we really have. And uh, Jesus, in his good gifts, has poured out his body and his blood for us. He really is what we need. He's what we need above all things. The ushers know how to usher us to the table in a way that is uh, orderly and reverent. And so I'm going to ask them to begin taking their positions and Jesus 
said, we, we hear from Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, what Jesus said. On the night that he was betrayed, he took some bread, and after he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup in the same manner, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. It's given for you. Think of that. A new covenant in Christ's blood given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He said, as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. It's such a simple thing, isn't it? Some bread and some fruit of the vine, some, some juice or wine. So simple, such a simple meal. And it's, it's not enough to last forever, but it's just daily bread, you know? And it reminds me, there are so many things that we don't need in this life. What we need is God. God first, then food, you know, that's fine. Then a little water. Then, okay, even some luxuries to enjoy. But what we need is Him. It's always Him. What better way to remind us than fasting? I hope you'll do this. When I do a teaching sermon like this, I, I'm not trying to win any preacher style points. I'm trying to get you to actually do this. You know what I'm saying? I, that's all that matters to me is if you do it. It, it doesn't matter if you, man, I enjoyed that or that was a thoughtful way to say this. Or, I don't care. Will you do it? And if I did it wrong and preached it all wrong, email them and say, Tell me, explain it different. As long as you do it. Find some book on fasting and do it. I just want you to do it. Try it. You'll see. Many of you are great at fasting. You've been doing it a long time. And you know what I'm about to say. Uh, he fills the hungry with good things, doesn't he? Like, you know what I'm saying. And you, you actually understand why it's hard for me to explain. Because this is a thing you just need to taste and see that the Lord is good. You just need to do it. And then you'll be able to preach the sermon on fasting. Because you'll be able to say, look at what he did. Let us pray. Father, prepare our hearts to receive your good gifts. And prepare our hearts not just for this meal, but if you choose to tarry over the next few days of this prayer and fasting time, if you don't return, oh God, then I pray that we would enjoy you during this time of fasting and prayer. God, that you'll make us um, uh, appropriately challenged wherever we're at. You'll make us aware of your great love for us. You'll make us more aware of who we are in you, that we are loved. We don't have to earn your approval. And Father, remind us of that as the people of God come and receive the gifts of God. As each person takes this bread and this cup, that they would be reminded that this is the body and the blood that was shed. That they are loved. That they are invited to this table, not because of their good deed, how good or bad they are at fasting or any other discipline. They're invited to enter into a life of following you strictly by your grace. Thank you, Father.